Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the greatest show on earth. From Baltimore, Maryland, you're listening to the Maryland Theater Guide with Mark Beachy, a show about theater, music, and dance in the Maryland, Washington, D.C., and Northern Virginia area. During the program, you'll listen to special guest interviews and performances. What's more, listeners will have a chance to win theater tickets and other great prizes. And now, here's your host, Mark Beachy. Welcome to the fourth episode of the Maryland Theater Guide podcast. I'm your host, Mark Beachy. This episode features an interview with Amy Bernstein and Melanie Armour, a monologue moment with Lee Condoracci, and a musical moment with Troy Klein. In addition, stick around to play a game called Trivia Time. We'll get to our first guest after the news. Theater Washington and Today Tickets announced plans for Theater Week 2018, a three-week celebration beginning in September that will offer $15 and $35 tickets to over 20 productions, a free kickoff party, and other free special events. This celebration of Washington's theater scene, unquestionably one of the best in the country, with a vast array of theaters offering high-quality performances, includes musicals, dramas, comedies, and theater for young audiences. Details are available at theaterweek.org, and tickets are available for purchase through the Today Ticket app and website. She could be your friend, your neighbor, your sister, your grandmother, and she's struggling to cope with a monster in her midst. What's the right thing to do? Is there a right thing? Terminal Lucidity a new play by Amy Bernstein and directed by Melanie Armour, is playing August 23rd through 26th at the Theater Project in Baltimore. Visit theaterproject.org for information and tickets. I now welcome playwright Amy Bernstein and director Melanie Armour to the program. Amy, how long did it take you to write the first draft and what inspired you to write the play? I went into almost into a, a trance on this one. I wrote it in chunks, big chunks, bigger than usual. I started very soon after the 2016 election. I was just shell-shocked and just felt compelled to create some kind of a response. And I just remember sort of getting into that zone where I was just summoning something from somewhere and getting it all out there on paper more quickly than I – usually it's a tortured process for me, and this one came – pretty quickly. So it it didn't take that long. Please tell me how you came up with the title of the play, Terminal Lucidity. Oh, you know, it was a lucky moment. I was in the middle of writing the piece. I had not named it yet. And I read an article about terminal lucidity, which is the name for when some people very close to dying suddenly come very much alive and they're very present and they're very aware and they can speak to the people around them and recognize everyone. And it's this brief window before they actually pass on. And it's called terminal lucidity. And it just fit. Now, Melanie, what was your reaction after reading Amy's script for the first time? My first response to the piece was that I was completely blown away by the language. The way in which Amy is responding to current events is not in a simple, linear manner, but rather 
in a global and comprehensive way that encompasses sort of all of what has come before and all of what is to come. And I know that sounds a bit grandiose, but there's something a little bit more big picture about this Mm -hmm. in response to a current political climate than I normally see in this kind of writing. But the language itself is what really drew me in. It's beautifully poetic, painfully explosive, and just really intense, intensely felt. I'm interested to hear about some of the characters featured in the play. There's one character piece drawn from a historical figure, the Baroness Elsa von Freitag Loringhoven, who is considered sort of the, the goddess of the Dada movement or the, the, the poetess of the Dada movement from the early 20th century. And she was a very, very gifted poet, an intensely creative person, and became uh, the toast of New York for a while and was uh, very avant-garde in the, in the burgeoning arts community uh, in New York before returning uh, to Europe. And she really made an impact on uh, a lot of the artists working at the time, both in sculpture, in painting, in music, in writing. And her poems, some of her poems, are sprinkled throughout the play. And uh, it's a way of truly bringing this sort of Dada craziness, like where are we, what's happening, what's going on, into this particular moment that we're all living through now. And so it's sort of craziness meeting craziness. Let's go ahead and listen to a clip from the play featuring the character, the Baroness Elsa von Freitag, Lorenhoven. To seed shall be offered its dung, space burning. Contrast, that pops with fruit's matured result. Gloss green, buff saffron brick, dapple dinted furred spiked, Scalping, praise ripe, is adorable until plucked bare. Cock-eared amongst pride-beaming foliages, snickering crowns gossiping greenery, rife with lore, frisks, boss-munching apples. What is it about Elsa that makes her such a fascinating and interesting character? I would say that her, her presence actually drives the inquiry of this play. It actually feels like the true engine of inquiry for the creation of the play, and in addition to the actual performance of the piece. What's interesting to me, too, about Elsa is that looking back at who she was in her time frame, she would have been perceived quite differently now. I mean, there were different experiences of mental health, feminism, independence, artistry. And so those intersections were explored in a completely different way at that time than they would be now. And so part of what's so exciting about Elsa is bringing her into the present moment to let her especial uh, Dadaist mentality sort of live through this piece and drive the inquiry of this piece. Melanie, is it safe to assume that the set and the costumes will reflect the Dada movement? Absolutely. Absolutely. Dada is an extremely uh, rich textural background to pull from, and we have had an amazing experience with our incredible design team uh, working both the methodology of working with Dada artistry and also just some of its more um, more obvious tropes. Uh, there was an there was an idea during Dadaism that it's art because I say it's art, and there's an interesting kind of thing that started. I mean, we don't really think of it now because so much of this is really true in the modern world. But this was the time that Marcel Duchamp took a urinal, signed it, and said, "This is art because I say it's art." And so we're able to pull from that kind of Uh, thought process to inform the ways in which we present our work. 
It's also a time where artists found a voice within the political landscape and where the voice of the artist was considered something other than decoration. Um, and so it's not too peculiar in 2018 to look at the artist's voice as a political instrument. That was new at the time. And so, again, that data inspiration follows through into what we're doing now. We sort of take it for granted. Melanie, tell me a little bit more about the cast. I understand you have nine performers. Our youngest is in her teens. Uh, our oldest is old enough to be a grandmother. And we have everything in between. Um, our cast comes from all over the area and from different backgrounds and different places culturally, and they bring so much to the table in every rehearsal where we explore what's going on in the world today and what's going on in the world from the Dada experience. Stay tuned for part two of my interview with Amy Bernstein and Melanie Armour later in the program. When we come back from the break, it's time for a monologue moment with Lee Kondaraci. Are you looking for the perfect gift for someone who loves the performing arts? Do you have an actor, dancer, or musician in the family? Well, look no further. The Maryland Theatre Guide features an online gift shop that theater, music, and dance aficionados will love. From apparel to jewelry to games and puzzles, books and more. Take a peek inside the Maryland Theatre Guide's gift shop. Visit mdtheaterguide.com and start shopping. We know what we are, but know not what we may be. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to put down the slings and arrows and get ready for a monologue moment. Here on the Maryland Theatre Guide. Today's guest for a monologue moment is Lee Kondaraci. Lee holds a BA in theater and English from Princeton University and has performed with Rapid Lemon Productions for the past two years. Lee is performing a monologue from the 10-minute play Samson by local playwright Tatiana Nyaford. The piece is directed by artistic director Lance Bankard and presented as part of the Rapid Lemon Productions, Variations on Sacrifice, which recently played in August at Baltimore Theatre Project. For information about future productions, visit rapidlemon.com. And now, here is Lee Kondaraci performing a monologue from Samson. I know exactly what that's like. So much of my time with you has been plagued with her. Haunted. A ghost I've never known. You think I don't know what hell is? It's watching you still having trouble saying the word divorce when you talk about her. It's these hand-me-down I love yous. The whispered, watered-down emotion you give me. It's anxiety-ridden thoughts. Where is he? Where is he? Depression-coded dreams. Anywhere, everywhere, without me. It's you, forcing my love into the curvature of the wound where your heart once was. This has been a monologue moment on Maryland Theatre Guide. And now back to my interview with Amy Bernstein and Melanie Armour. Dear Senator, I am hoping that you can use your awesome powers as a duly elected representative of the people to aid me in my struggle to sue a monster. Nobody believes I should do this, but I'm hoping you'll be on my side. I guess I said hoping twice, but gee, I know you'll understand. And hopefully, oops, 
You can provide the assistance I require. Sincerely. Dear citizen, I am in receipt of your letter dated such and such regarding proposed legal action against a monster. I regret to inform you that monsters cannot be sued under the current laws of this land. I wish you all the best in your endeavors and don't forget to vote, etc., etc., sincerely. That was a clip of the beauty pageant contestant and the senator from Amy Bernstein's new play, Terminal Lucidity. Amy, tell me more about that clip. That is one of many exchanges between two different characters, as Melanie noted earlier, often characters who would not normally be sharing sort of a stage or a room together. And this is part of an ongoing quest that each of them has. They want different things. Uh, and uh, I'm not going to tell you whether they get those different things or not. <laughs> but, um, you know, okay. I think one of the things I one of the things I try to do in the piece is you've got sort of naturalistic exchanges like this one, sometimes that are funny. Uh, but then, you know, there's other parts of the play which not quite so naturalistic. Melanie, do you have any particular favorite moments in the play? Part of what's exciting are the places where the piece twists and turns and where there are surprises. Um, again, the way that one of the things that Dadaists were interested in is setting up an expectation and then changing the what's delivered and creating a little bit of a surprise. And I think we've done a lot of that throughout the piece. I think, though, that what really attracts me the most are the moments where, in spite of what seems like a lot of chaos and confusion, one can really feel the presence of the performers and the way that they are connected to one another and the way that they are working together in a way, again, it seems like chaos, but what's coming through is really simple and truthful. Amy, do you have anything to add to that? So what, what I will add is, I, and I, without giving a single thing away, I think this is what I would think of as a pin drop ending, the ending of the piece lands on you in such a way that you just sort of sit there quietly for several seconds while you digest. And I think that that's sort of a very power, there's a very powerful coda to the play that will have everyone sort of slowly leaving the theater and going, huh, wow, at least I hope so. Melanie, how has the play evolved over the course of the rehearsal process? It feels like an exploration every day. So we come into the rehearsal space and I sit with the cast and frequently my first question to them is, okay, what did we learn? So we'll run through a section of the piece and we'll look around and say, okay, what did we learn? And my experience of working with this cast and working with this text is constant exploration and constant interrogation of the script itself during which the script reveals itself to us. So I, I want to say, I think, two, two things, if I can remember them both. One is, I know we have <laughs> not given you plot points or conventional, this happens and guess what happens next, or it's a ghost story, it's a love story, it's a murder mystery. We haven't given you any of that because... That's not what this piece is, but what this piece does is it really invites the audience to let this truly kind of wash over them, to let it just kind of, to let, they just experience it. And I think there'll be a lot of uh, thought and reflection after this thing kind of washes through them. And what I think is going to be wonderful is that people are going to reach different conclusions about, what is this about? 
what just happened? What did I see? And I really like it when audiences bring their own discovery process to what has happened on stage. And so uh, I think that that's what, what people will, will, will get here. There's something about creating theater using collage, uh, which is a whole new way of looking at time and space. And I think we tend to think of drama as a linear experience. And what we're creating for our audience here is a far more collage experience where they can experience the work in real time. And as Amy is saying, they have a minute to reflect on its meaning or its story or its characters a little bit after the fact. But the experience itself is more that of looking at a piece of art than watching a play that has a beginning, middle, and an end. What's it like working together on this play? I have been extraordinarily lucky as the writer of this particular piece because Millie and I met through uh, some mutual third parties and I could not have been put into better hands or more right hands for this piece. Her, <laughs> her ability to see it, understand it, see things in it that I don't see. And also importantly, you know, I can only write in, in, in two dimensions. I can only write on the page. And what she has done is she, she makes it three-dimensional, which, which is really extraordinary. So this has been an incredible collaboration for us. We've been working on this together for a, a year or, or more. And uh, it's just been, I think, really a great, a great partnership. We really have learned to speak uh, the language together. Well, and I have to say, from my point of view, it really is like meeting a soulmate or a sister or a cousin, you know, someone that I feel like I've known all of my life. And so as, as Amy says, we were connected by a, a theater yenta and, um, <laughs> who kind of said, oh, my God, you guys have to meet. And boy, was she right. Um, not everybody writes in a style that I am excited about in this way. I mean, I certainly work in traditional theater and I absolutely love to do things like Shakespeare and O'Neill and all of all of those great playwrights. But boy, when somebody writes this kind of language that just begs for real interpretation and real exploration and discovery with other artists, uh, we're creating this kind of collaborative creature that is my true deepest love. And so this experience has been so much fun. Um, it's just a great treat to work with the language and to work with Amy and she has no um, you know, pride or preconceived notions and we get to play together and the cast gets to play and we all get to learn together and it's really just a lot of fun. I sort of feel like, you know, <laughs> I'm not sure how we, how we earned so much fun for ourselves, but we did. <laughs> Want to be a guest or sponsor of the Maryland Theatre Guide? Email mark at mdtheaterguide.com. And now, back to the show. <laughs> Above all, I am an opera singer. This is how people will remember me. I know I'm an opera singer, but we're actors too. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to get out your opera glasses and get ready for a musical moment. Here on the Maryland Theatre Guide. 
Today's guest for a musical moment is Troy Klein. Troy Klein is a modern-day swinger-songwriter, updating his Sinatra, Nat King Cole roots with modern touches a la George Michael and Michael Buble. And now here is Troy Klein performing Love Game. You twirl your hair and glance my way I wander over Abelaze We go playing that love game again I laugh, it catches your attention You smile, it raises my suspicion That we will play this love game again If our hearts burn, we may learn A brand new set of rules But till that day, we're here to play This love game for two Stand shaking your tail feather I go kissing on another We go playing that love game again Ah, shake that tail This has been a musical moment on Maryland Theatre Guide. Today's Trivia Time category is Theater Basics. The first person to email me the correct answers will win a handmade Shakespeare portrait pendant from the Maryland Theater Guide gift shop. Before we begin, here are the correct answers from our last episode. Question number one. In the musical Wicked, Alphabet's shade of green is likened to a froggy, ferny... Is it A, cucumber, B, melon, or C, cabbage? The correct answer is C, cabbage. Question number two. Finish this lyric from Pippin. Join us, leave your... Is the correct answer A, cheese to sour, B, milk to sour, or C, bread to leaven? The correct answer is A, cheese to sour. Question number three. Have an egg roll, Mr. Goldstone, is a lyric from which musical? 
Is it A, My Fair Lady, B, Gypsy, or C, The Music Man? The correct answer is B, Gypsy. And now, let's play today's edition of Trivia Time. Question number one. Which type of stage is also called Theater in the Round? Is it A, Black Box, B, Proscenium, or C, Arena? Question number two. What is the term for the seating area for the audience? Is it A, house, B, wings, or C, apron? Question number three. What is the term for removing the set after the play's run is finished? Is it A, upstage, B, load in, or C, strike? Email your answers to me at mark at mdtheaterguide.com. We are out of time for today. I would like to thank our guests Amy Bernstein and Melanie Armour, Lee Contaracci and Troy Klein. I'm Mark Beachy for the Maryland Theatre Guide. Have a theatrical day. Thanks for listening to the Maryland Theatre Guide with Mark Beachy. To read the latest theatre, music and dance reviews, be sure to visit our free online performing arts magazine at mdtheaterguide.com. To become a guest or sponsor of the show, email mark at mdtheaterguide.com. Join us next time for another edition of the Maryland Theater Guide.